Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. Final segment of Inside Sources. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And so much of what we've been talking about today and so many of the people we've been talking with are people of great influence. And they understand that you really don't have influence uh, by what I often refer to as two-by-four management. Two-by-four upside the head is not persuasion. Uh, It's intimidation. And we've seen a, a lot of that in our country. We've seen a lot of that in business and it often prevents the the nuance of persuasion to take place. And I really believe that persuasion, the art of persuasion, uh, is something we're, we're lacking. And I'm not talking about the art of manipulation. I'm not talking about trying to get people to do things they don't want to do. I'm talking about engaging in conversations in a way that creates space for people to figure it out for themselves to feel the power of the principles, to see the benefit of certain actions, and then to be able to do it themselves. It's, it is the art of persuasion. It's the art of education, for that matter. I, I read something yesterday uh, and received this from a, a good friend from back in, in D.C., uh, who's one of the smartest people I know, uh, used to wear a black robe, and uh, he sent me a piece by Luke uh, Brotherton, uh, who is the Robert E. Cushman Distinguished Professor of Moral and Political Theology at Duke Divinity School. And in this piece, which everybody should read, we'll post this up uh, to our social media uh, on breakingground.us, he actually makes the case as to why we need to engage in politics and persuasion. And so I want to share just a little bit of this uh, from Luke Bretherton. He said, how shall we live together? alongside what is going on and what is to be done. This is one of the most basic questions of moral philosophy. And the real answer is always the same. He says the answer is we must do politics. Uh, That caught my attention uh, because a lot of times I hate the politics of it all. I love the persuasion. I love the conversation. I love the principles. But here, Luke Bretherton saying, no, we have to do politics. Uh, he goes on in his article, he says, politics, surely not. But underneath the polarization, the, uh, the rallies, the backroom deals, the rage tweets, uh, is the reality that politics, politics is supposed to be the description of something good. And the stark alternative to three other options that are decidedly less so or not good. And so this is this is where it got really interesting to me. Uh, again, this is uh, Luke Brotherton. He said, quote, When I meet with someone with whom I disagree, whom I dislike, or who I find threatening, I can do one of four things. Okay, so we have four options. When we meet someone that we disagree with, someone we dislike, or someone we find threatening. And he's going back to primitive things. One of the four things, he says, I can kill them. I can create a structure of coercion so I can control them 
or I can make life so difficult that they run away. Or, he says, I can do politics. He concludes saying, I can form, norm, and sustain some kind of common life amid the competing visions of the good and my own feelings of aversion or fear uh, without eliminating them, coercing them, or causing them to flee. So think about that for a minute. So you meet someone that you disagree with in person or online, someone you dislike, or someone that you find threatening. You can either get rid of them, eliminate them. You can create a structure of coercion so you can control them, or you can make life so difficult for them that they run away. Or you do politics. And in his view, that's all about persuasion. Uh, Persuasion is such a fascinating thing to me. Uh, Those who do it and do it well, uh, do it as a way to lift and empower, inspire, motivate, and lift. To really lift. And someone who really understood persuasion, I think, in a unique way, and had to do it in a unique way, was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, He didn't have social media, didn't have radio or television. Uh, He had to communicate either in person or in writing. And so he understood that. Uh, Lincoln gave some remarks in uh, to the Springfield Temperance Society in 1842. And he spoke about persuasion. Listen to this. This is Abraham Lincoln. He says, when the conduct of men is designed to be influenced, persuasion, kind, unassuming persuasion should ever be adopted. It is an old and true maxim that a drop of honey catches more flies than a gallon of gall. If you would win a person to your cause, first convince them that you are indeed a sincere friend. Therein is the drop of honey that catches his heart, which, say what he will, is the great high road to his reason. So the heart is the high road to reason. Love that. Uh, Lincoln continued, uh, which, which once you have gained, you can find but little trouble in convincing or persuading his judgment of the justice of your cause, if indeed that cause really be a just one. <laughs> so he's he's really laying down the marker there that if you're just doing this as a way to get your way, it won't work. <laughs> if your cause is not just, it doesn't matter what you do. It's not going to work in the end. He said, on the contrary, if you assume to dictate another's judgment or command his action or to mark him as one to be shunned and despised, he will retreat and close all the avenues to his head and to his heart. And though your cause be truth itself, you shall no more be able to reach him than to penetrate the hard shell of a tortoise with a rye straw. I love that visual. So we're really, we have to understand that if you would lead, uh, you have to persuade. And it's, it's really simple. It's gentle persuasion. It's authentic persuasion. Uh, you can't nag someone to greatness. Uh, you can't needle them to improvement. 
So to me, that's really the leadership lesson for the ages. And again, regardless of what you're leading, whether it's your own family or your community or your business, uh, your local civic organization, uh, or the United States government, uh, far too many are ignoring the art of gentle persuasion because it's easier to go out with a megaphone and a microphone and a TV camera and a two-by-four on Twitter uh, and smack people upside the head. But I'm telling you, if that's your approach, uh, you may be blinded by your own pl- press clippings. Uh, you may get drunk with your own perceived power. Uh, but just know that you're not really leading. So you can't dictate, you can't mandate, you can't compel others to follow. You have to persuade. And it is one of those things that we're losing in the country because we've lost the art of nuance. There is no nuance on social media. (laughs) Everything's two-by-four management to the head. Everything is a full-out verbal assault. And so are we willing? Are we willing? Guess what? It takes longer to persuade than it does to command and control. And we have to be willing to persuade. And as Lincoln, Lincoln aptly described it, Persuasion, kind, unassuming persuasion should ever be adapted. Uh, I'm convinced persuasion is grounded in trust. Persuasion is fortified in real manifestations of character. And above all, it is galvanized in commitments kept. Uh, If you want to be persuasive, keep your commitments Demonstrate your character authentically and build trust. That's the art of persuasion, and we need a whole lot more of it. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio today. And as always, as you go out into the world, have some gentle persuasion, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.